Welcome to Niche Podcast, your weekly rundown of the biotech, pharma, clinical research, and life science industries. I'm your host, Dr. Noah Goodson. This week, Beijing's oncology machine, China oncology pipelines, COVID costs, two new FDA approvals, a $5 billion life science merger, and Hong Kong joins US SPAC party. The views expressed on the Niche Podcast are those of the host and guests. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any organizations or companies with which they are affiliated. Beijing's major oncology product, Brukenza, has earned a new FDA approval this week for patients with relapsed or refractory marginal zone lymphoma. This comes just two weeks after the approval to treat Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia, a rare form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. The back-to-back approvals bring the therapy to four approved conditions in the U.S. across lymphoma and leukemia, with more indications approved at home in China. Marketed as Brukinza, Xanubrutinib is a Bruton's tyranese kinase inhibitor, BTK. BTKs play an important role in B-cell development and function and can be disrupted in certain cancers. Beijing is certainly happy to be broadening the reach of one of their leading products. But Beijing's pipeline extends well past a single therapy with up-and-coming treatments, including their PD-1 inhibitor, Tezlelizumab, which is already marketed for five conditions in China with dozens more in clinical trials. Beijing's wins over the last year are not just riding on the backs of approved therapies. They've made big partnership deals. In episode three, we covered their registered direct offering of $2.1 billion with Amgen maintaining a 20% stake in the company. Then in January, Novartis paid $650 million upfront in a deal worth north of $2 billion to license Tesla Lizumab in North America. First approvals of the PD-1 inhibitor are expected at the end of 2021 or 2022, with dozens more potential indications in clinical trials. Normally, a company with that rich of an oncology portfolio would be acquired by a pharma giant. But I think that will not happen, and not just because Beijing has a mature and financially stable position. Beijing is a leader in the burgeoning Chinese oncology pharma space, and oncology is going to be big business in China for a long time to come, for a lot of socioeconomic and demographic reasons. Serving China as a Chinese company is a major logistical and approval win, and remaining a Chinese company matters. In the broader political context, Big Pharma is probably better off gaining licenses to sell Beijing's therapies, like Novartis, or just owning a profitable minority stake of the company, like Amgen. With more approvals rolling in and a rich pipeline, I also expect to see Beijing look to license or acquire other therapies. They're in a strong position to act as the Chinese face of North American oncology products through strict licensure or co-development. Speaking of BTK inhibitors from China, Everest Medicines has signed a deal with Suzhou Sinovent and Sinomab to develop their BTK inhibitor. The deal sees Everest pay $12 million up front with $550 million in milestones. Unlike Beijing's Brukenza, this BTK inhibitor is currently being targeted at kidney diseases. 
Based on the framing of the deal, it appears likely that Everest will lead by developing SN1011 in China first and then exploring global opportunities based on population response during phase two trials. Regeneron has struck a $2.9 billion deal with the United States government to deliver 1.4 million doses of Regen Cove. The COVID-19 antibody has been shown in clinical studies to reduce COVID-19-related hospitalizations and death by 70%. While not FDA-approved, the therapy has been given emergency use authorization in at-risk populations. The U.S. government is looking at the numbers of COVID-19 as the disease continues to spread, primarily among unvaccinated populations, and has determined to ensure a supply of therapeutic options. Unfortunately, current trends suggest this is a good move as COVID-19 numbers will remain high across the United States in the coming year. Vaccination rates continue to rise slowly but steadily, though if FDA approvals emerge for children later this year, there may be an increase across the winter months. Takeda has received FDA approval to treat patients with EGFR exon 20 positive non-small cell lung cancer with their therapy Excivity. Excivity is a first-in-class oral tyrosine kinase inhibitor, TKI, that treats this rare lung cancer. Unfortunately for Takeda, their drug may be first-in-class, but it's not first-to-target, with J&J's Ribervant receiving approval earlier this year. This takes a small population of less than 4,000 patients per year and shrinks it further through market competition. Additionally, it's not clear that Excivity would beat Ribervant head-to-head. Xelixix has earned FDA approval to treat a rare thyroid cancer with Cabomedics. The therapy already has a number of approvals, but this latest is for those with radioactive iodine refractory differentiated thyroid cancer. While this approval is only for a subpopulation of thyroid cancer patients, Cabomedics produces a 6x increase in progression-free survival compared to placebo. Since this approval is for patients who have already been treated and have limited remaining options, the placebo-controlled trial results are quite promising. XLX6 stocks have moved up and down over the last 18 months, but their revenue stream and EPS are on track for a strong year, beating revenue targets by 28% in Q2. If this trend continues in Q3, I wouldn't be surprised to see a bigger buy-in from investors. The life sciences have not suffered through the pandemic. Testing and reagent companies continue to turn over robust profits, while new technologies rapidly become acquisition targets. In an effort to expand their capabilities in antibodies and testing, Perkin Elmer has completed the $5.25 billion acquisition of BioLegend. With a revenue stream of $380 million a year, the price tag is fairly steep, but Perkin Elmer is also getting a large technology and client pool that can be mixed with their own tools to increase revenue. They're expected to add $100 million to that revenue line just through synergies with BioLegend. But whenever you sell a 19-year-old company for 14x your revenue stream, you've probably made a decent sell. This episode, we've highlighted a number of companies in and around Asia. 
We close with a medtech SPAC coming to the U.S. out of Hong Kong. Prenetics Group is a medical diagnostic startup that made a big splash with their COVID-19 rapid diagnostics. They'll go public on the NASDAQ with a valuation of $1.7 billion through a SPAC under the ticker PRE. The deal will put $459 million in their coffers to focus on M and A activities that get them into the American market. There are huge opportunities in clinical diagnostic testing, from the rise of direct-to-consumer at-home products to the significant need for accurate and rapid tests for numerous niche oncology treatments. There's plenty of room for new players in the market. That being said, Testing is a complex market, and growing a billion-dollar organization in that space often requires a large and diversified pipeline. For their part, this is not a no-revenue unicorn. They're projecting $205 million in revenue this year, a tripling of their 2020 numbers. As with Beijing, they're in a complex and more rare position of emerging from China into the West, but with a strong Asia-centric financial foundation. Prenetics plans to turn their windfall into a tailwind, and they're hinting that North America is key to that strategy. I'm definitely excited to see how capital and technology become bi-directional between the East and West over the next decade in these industries. Thanks for joining me on the Niche Podcast, your weekly summary of the top news in the biotech, pharma, clinical research, and life science industries. You can learn more at thenichepod.com or find us on your favorite podcast app. Like, comment, subscribe, and most of all, share with your friends. If you like what you hear, please rate and review. It really helps us. Once again, I'm Dr. Noah Goodson. I'll see you next week.